live from the heart of Los Angeles, this is the online edition of The Life Changes Show. Look at the bright lights. Look at the bright lights. With tonight's guest, executive director of Tobacco Free Earth and author of The Gilded Leaf, Patrick Reynolds. Look at the and performance guest, Zane Christopher. I am Mark Lejeur, and now, our host, the MC, the master of change, Filippo Voltaggio. Well, as uh, fate would have it, thanks to our guest in combination with our performance guest, I got to think and be reminded of something I haven't been reminded of in a very, very long time. And it's truly the combination of the two of them, and perhaps during the show you'll, you'll see maybe why, but I thought of my childhood, I thought of my father, and I remember one particular thing as a child going to visit my father in his office. My father didn't smoke, but everybody that shared the office with my father smoked. Well, almost everybody. And at the time, it was a government building. It didn't have air conditioning. It was cold outside anyway, so they kept the doors closed and the windows closed. And I remember opening up that door and there'd be this wall of smoke that would hit me. And I hated being in there for very long. And my father wanted to introduce me to everybody. And I guess he had gotten used to it. But uh, when I, I couldn't wait to leave that room. And so consequently, I didn't go into that room very often. Uh, but I remember that. And I didn't make the connection until many years later that my dad passed of lung cancer. And so I'll leave it at that. But the fact that there are so many connections that uh, are all interrelated and uh, some of them good, some of them not so good. And the fact that we're here together talking about how we can support each other in having potentially a happier, healthier life and much more joyful is something I get really excited about. So uh, for those people who don't have the information we're going to share today, then I'm really glad we have our guest, Patrick Reynolds, sharing information. And for people who haven't had the experience of... I know, actually, people have not had the experience of hearing Zane Christopher. I will share a little why, or a little later why I know that. And so you'll get to enjoy and experience this uh, young man's stories and music all of this together, all of us together, on the Life Changes Show online edition right after this. Have you felt inspired to meditate but you just can't? Do you suffer from anxiety but fidget toys just make you more fidgety? Want to replace negative self-talk in your head that keeps bringing you down? Introducing the latest self-help solution, Phi Beads. Transformational beaded jewelry inspired by ancient wisdom, science, math, and psychology. All five beads are designed to incorporate the powerful Fibonacci sequence, nature's mathematical formula that has shaped our existence from the beginning of time. The Fibonacci sequence, also known as the golden mean or the golden ratio, is recognized by our conscious and unconscious mind and resonates as order out of chaos like we see in plants, flowers, seashells, ocean waves, the pyramids, and in our own body. Not only beautiful, they feel good to wear. Phi Beads can help anchor tranquility, positivity, focus, and structure in your life by doing the Phi Meditation. Phi Meditation helps you harness the power of I Am for intention, affirmation, and manifestation. Affirm the life you want. Get your set of Phi Beads at phibeads.com. That's Phi, P-H-I, beads.com. You are listening to A Conversation That Matters on The Life Changes Show. Broadcasting live from the heart of Los Angeles every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Share the journey with us at LifeChangesShow.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LifeChangesShow. We're back. I'm host Filippo Voltaggio online with our executive producer and co-host Mark Lejeur. 
Uh, listening to your childhood stories and thinking about the conversation that's going to happen tonight brought me back to my middle brother <laughs> and how furious he would get with me when I would throw his cigarettes away. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. So I'm re- re- really, uh, it's we've come a long way from that, but as a kid, I, I, uh, I made it my mission and he eventually stopped because I was just too annoying. Mm, good on you. I know your brother, so I can thank you for for the opportunity to knowing your brother. And now I know that you potentially helped save his life. No coincidence. We've titled this our 693rd episode of the Life Changes Show, Motivating Youth to Stay Vape and Tobacco Free. So we are featuring our interview guest, whose grandson of cigarette company founder rj reynolds who's executive director of tobacco free earth and author of the gilded leaf three generations of the rj reynolds family and fortune welcome to the show patrick reynolds patrick welcome to the show patrick you're still muted yes Thank you for having me on, and I am now unmuted. My bad. <laughs> in in more ways than one, actually, you've uh, you've unmuted well yourself from uh, from talking about uh, something that was maybe taboo to talk about at one point in your circle of influence and friends. Well, right? to to be sure that is true. Uh, you know, when I was. Three years old, my parents got divorced, and I didn't see my dad again till I was nine. And oh. six long years, I really needed him. I missed him, and I said, where is my dad? And he just took off with his next wife. He was married four times. My mom was the second wife. So one day when I was nine, I finally said, I wrote him a letter, and I said, Dear Dad, I want to meet you. Where are you? And he was off in the South Pacific on one of his yachts with his third wife, and uh, he, the letter was forwarded from port to port because he'd always missed him. And finally, he got my letter by some miracle. He thought it was a miracle. And he said, oh, my God, I have a son, Patrick. And he sent for me mm-hmm. and my older brother, Mike. And, uh, but, but I was always his favorite. And he, uh, I was so excited to meet him when I got the news. And he sent one of his many private planes to take me down to an, a little... Uh, lodge he had in the mountains in North Carolina. And when they showed me into the room where he was, I was so excited. And I found him lying down on his back, and he was dying from smoking. So Mm. my only memories of my dad are of a man on his back, gasping for breath, counting the time he had left to live. So that made a profound and deep impression on me. Uh, My dad really wasn't in my life. Um, partly through his choice, but also because he died when I was 16 from smoking the brands that made our family incredibly rich and powerful. Mm. And and I said, Dad, what's wrong? And he looked up. He said, I have asthma, son. And I, you know, I, I, it turned out to be emphysema. I said, anything to do with your smoking, Dad? <laughs> nah. You know, he was in denial. So... The bottom line is R.J. Reynolds died from smoking when I was uh, like newly 16. And my mother was hoping I wouldn't hear the news on the radio. And I didn't. And uh, when I looked at, came home, I looked at her and I said, you know, yeah. I, you know, I, it didn't really hit me because uh, I didn't know him. And I said, oh, he died? Really? Okay. So what's uh-huh. next? And my mother just started crying because she realized I didn't know my father. So... Anyway, bottom line, I wrote the book to get to know him better. Um, and because, you know, anyway, I want to get into all that. But yeah. I've made a difference with my life fighting for, you know, laws on secondhand smoke. And I'm sorry to hear about your dad, Filippo. And that we share that. It sounds like secondhand smoke. I mean, it's, it is a major cause of lung cancer. Around uh, 50,000 people a year die from secondhand smoke, whether by heart disease or lung cancer. And I'm sorry to hear about your dad. Very sorry. And that's that. So we share that we're bonded by that. (laughs) Well, 
you know, I I expected to be talking about a lot of different things, or not a lot because we don't have a lot of time. But when you and I connected uh, prior, and you shared something very fascinating, and I don't know how much back story we have to give in order to get to the punchline here of an experience you just had like just a couple of weeks ago at at the sure i'll tell you about it and i'll try and be concise and keep it uh on on the ball i have never Um, heard of anything like this well it there there's an old uh, uh house which was the house that belonged to my great great grandfather who owned 88 slaves right before the Civil War. Not proud of that. Um, And he was the father to my grandfather, who founded the Reynolds Tobacco Company. He fathered R.J. Reynolds. And his brother fathered the founder of Reynolds Metals. And it's called the Reynolds Homestead. It's in Christ, Virginia. And now it's a, you know, an endowed foundation that serves the community and keeps alive, you know, the homestead of the original tobacco company uh, family um, going back to, you know, the 1830s. And they made it a museum, restored it perfectly. And they held an event uh, on their 50th anniversary uh, and 50 years ago, when the homestead was launched by my very well-to-do aunt, my father's sister, um, they had a Reynolds reunion. And who was invited was the white descendants who were all properly married. And, uh, you know, it was very, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it was a typical Southern family reunion, big and, uh, you know, full of people who somehow didn't, some of them didn't like each other and some of them didn't know each other and but, you know, but there was still a lot of love between a lot of us. I was a long-haired hippie coming from Berkeley, and it was 1970, okay? And now, cut to 50 years later, and they didn't like me. I was making a movie, and they looked at my long hair like I was from Jupiter. And I was, like, 21 years old and smoking pot, and, you know, I was a hippie. And I had been in school in Berkeley. the image. Yeah, I come, coming from California, I was going out to college in Berkeley, which was the, the center, the epicenter of the whole hippie movement. And I was definitely a hippie with long hair and all that. I looked like I stepped out of a, a Botticelli painting. So 50 years later, the homestead decided to organize another reunion. But this time, they're educated people. They're run by a Virginia Tech University. And they decided to invite not just the descendants, the legitimate descendants of so-called legitimate, of R.J. Reynolds and his family and the and his father, Hardin, but they would also invite the descendants of the slaves who worked on that plantation. Mm. They also would invite the descendants of the illegitimate children, um, most of them African-American, who descended from either the slaves or workers in my grandfather's tobacco company, because in the South it was accepted and very well accepted that a man should go out and have sex. And um, so he did. And after I did the Oprah show uh, years ago, uh, I got calls from African-Americans and they sent me pictures and they looked just like my family. So uh, the short answer is... um, that yes, uh, we had a reunion, but they called it the Descendants this time. And I there was a lot of bad blood between me and my family, uh, but this was very, very healing uh, mm-hmm. to look each other in the eye and to understand that, you know, that I've brought honor to our family and that I've brought some, some mm-hmm. good to the family. And it wasn't really even about me, you know. I've been angry because my father married four times, dissolute, alcoholic. Um, you know, he did great things. He was a visionary. He put his money, put uh, uh, FDR in office, and FDR got us through the Depression. His money put Harry Truman in office. He was big in democratic politics. And my father was a, a great man in many ways, but his flaw was his alcoholism, his inability to, you know, stay there as a father to his kids and you know one day i'm gonna maybe sell my book to television and make a very good yarn but i don't want to get into that today but the 1920s murders suicides it's a juicy rich Mm. bit of americana 
that I think would do quite well as a TV series. But here we are before I get off onto that tangent. Um, someone at the reunion, the, the descendants, told me uh, it was a, a black cousin who was descended from my great-great-grandfather who, you know, went out and had uh, an adventure with uh, one of the, the slaves that he owned, okay? Mm. And Kevin Reynolds stood up and he said this. When I was young, I was a Boy Scout, and I went down to the hill down below, way down the hill, there was a rock spring. And I had, we were cleaning up the spring, and my, my, my buddy handed me a cup of cool water from the spring. And I drank from it. And many hours later, it occurred to me that my great-grandfather had also drunk from that spring. And he said, that really brought me back. And I was so full of love that day and so, so uh, just uh, happy to be with everybody. And uh, and I had all the anger. I noticed that all the anger that I felt for my father, not just for being absent, but for leaving all his money to his fourth wife that he'd known for maybe three years and in a mysterious two-page handwritten will that held up and he died in Switzerland. And my gosh, uh, I have had a lot of tears, a lot of grief, a lot of anger over his absence and over how little money I got from my family because of what my father did. So yes, I have been carrying some anger toward my dad and I've done a lot of men's meetings and therapy, and I think therapy is just part of a good education. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is you can't heal and you can't move forward at a decent pace unless you have forgiven the people that you're so angry with. And I felt like I had finally, I didn't feel any anger that day. I felt love. I felt forgiveness and I felt whole. And I, I'm in the verge of a new business that I will not talk about right now, but nothing is stopping me. Nothing's holding me back. And if I was burdened and weighed down by that old animosity toward my father and, you know, the woman that got all his money and all of that, uh, I, I would really be held back. And I just feel like I am charging ahead. I'm doing it this time. This is my moment. And it's got to do with, uh, you know, drinking from the water in Rock Spring, so to speak. And I want to go back and do it. And I said, Kevin, let's go down and drink together from that spring, man. <laughs> and he said, well, you know, I think we better clean it up again before you drink from it. Mm. So, uh, so we didn't drink that day, but I will one day. Patrick, thank you for sharing that. I, I, I'm. We'll have to talk. I'm sure there are people in that uh, that descendants event that would be also very interesting to bring on the Life Changes show and and have a conversation. History, history was made by your grandfather in so many ways. I believe history is being made today, and uh, and I believe uh, some good history could be made from from all of all of uh, what you're sharing and, and of course your mission and also the fact that uh, so many years later that you feel this love and and you've released anger for your father and grandfather as well you had mentioned when we spoke so all of that being said you went on a mission and so it so for people who are listening to this and and think oh he's he uh, made money and now he's going against the the family and it didn't sound like you made a lot of money from the family um and 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 this was not necessarily like uh, 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 uh sour grapes right not at all you know that's a good question it's fair no i do what i do to make a difference and it's not because of anger toward my father you know, I mean, that said, I don't owe my father anything, and I don't owe the tobacco company anything. And, you know, I'm, you know, much more concerned about big tobacco targeting children, targeting kids in their ads, which by their own internal memos, they admitted. And I didn't know much about the tobacco uh, issue when I, when I began this. It just got around Washington um, that I, you know, thought tobacco taxes should be higher. 
And uh, a buddy of mine said, hey, you know, my girlfriend can't go. I'm a big donor to the Republican Party. And <laughs> I'm laughing because, you know, I'm a Democrat. But but uh, I'm a big donor to the Republican Party. Why don't you come and take her place? And we're going to go on a tour and meet with the Secretary of Defense in the Pentagon, Casper Weinberger. We're going to meet in the Federal Reserve with, personally with Paul Volcker. We're going to meet all the top, you know, Graham and Rudman and, you know, I mean, all the top Republican senators, some of them still in office, we shook hands with in private teas and briefings. And at one point I stood up and I said, you know, I'm Patrick Reynolds. I'm a grandson of the tobacco company founder. And I've often wondered when I was smoking, which I did um, until 1985, um, why tobacco taxes are so much higher in other countries? Why are they so low in our country? And the particular politician in question did not give me a straight answer, he, he said, which would have been, well, you know, Big Tobacco is one of the biggest donors to our party. Um, and, you know, we need to play ball with Big Tobacco. That would have been a straight answer. What he said instead was, you're from the Reynolds family? You know, we're voting on the tobacco tax. Uh, it's got a sunset clause. It's going to expire. It's going to go from 16 cents a pack. <laughs> I'm laughing so low down to eight cents a pack. Why don't you come down to the committee hearing tomorrow and testify in the House uh, that you think the tax should be higher? And I said, I beg your pardon. And uh, he repeated it. And I, I said, you know, I, I've got to talk to my family before I do that. Um, but I like the idea because privately, I've often not uh, felt this way about tobacco taxes and about the tobacco industry in general and their, their advertising practices. So I went, I said no, but I went home, I talked to some family members, they didn't like it, but I eventually agreed to testify. And when I did in July of 1986, uh, my testimony was carried on every major news and wire services. Nobody from the tobacco industry had ever spoken out against them. This was the first time. And I was a family member. So I got besieged with requests for speaking engagements. And the more I got asked to speak, the more I got involved and committed, the more educated I became about what Big Tobacco is doing. And my gosh, um, and I started speaking. Uh, I was terrified of public speaking before. And, uh, you know, but, and I used to read all my speeches and they were attended by whatever local media and whatever city we were in. And I started advocating for smoking bans. And a lot of people said, we don't need to change. Uh, secondhand smoke, the science is questionable. The tobacco industry was spouting that. And, uh, you know, let the smokers smoke. Let things be the way they always were. And uh, more progressive people were saying, wait, you know, the, the science is in. We know that secondhand smoke kills. <laughs> and um, so, and they, but it was controversial. It was a partial smoking ban at a restaurant, not even 100%. <laughs> so, you know, you look back, there were people that didn't even want a partial ban. So I started advocating in press conference after press conference, and I was a good media draw, turned out to be a good speaker. After a while, I didn't need the, the written speaking points, and I just got more involved and committed. And I began to formulate my own ideas. And but I would say this, that um, I would like to go and take the message around the world to countries which have a high rate of smoking, in particular the Middle East. Um, I would love to go and speak in uh, Russia if it wasn't so dangerous for Americans because they have a very high rate of smoking. And um, they got the Marlboro Man as president, Mr. Putin with his shirt off on a horse. <laughs> and uh, I would like to go and speak <clears throat> in uh, any country that's that, like in Asia, China. My God, in China, what I could do got covered by the media and a billion people would get a message for a day or two that smoking is bad for you, that you have to pay attention to the secondhand smoking laws. But above all, my message is for the children. And when I began speaking at middle schools and high schools, and uh, at one point we recorded uh, a, my, a talk I gave in Texas to a thousand ninth graders. And I talked to them about my story of being a boy and needing his dad. I said, how many of you don't have your dads? living at home with you right now, like half of the hands go up, okay? So that's how I bonded with them. And 
I, I talked to them about tobacco advertising after my personal story. I talked to them and educated them how the tobacco industry was targeting them and how they've targeted kids with vaping now. Um, and Juul just got pulled off the market for doing that. And, um, but as I went through that, then I talked about smoking in movies and I, the talk mooster, I'll just give the, the two bits that I think are really powerful and wonderful. The initiation I give them into life is, is huge. And it is that I tell them that thousands of years ago, they would, the elders and the tribe would take the young ones out into the forest or the desert and they, they would bring them pain. And I don't tell them that they would cut them because that's what they did all over the world. And they didn't know that each other was doing it, but they always gave them a ritual initiation wound. And I just told the kids that it, they made them uncomfortable. They made their lives painful. They deprived them of food and sleep. And I could never understand why in traditional initiation, the elders did this to the, the young ones, the boys. But I don't say that because it's not including the girls, but... In truth, in the old days, it was the boys. And one day, it, I got it, and I, it hit me. And it, it was this, that the elders were trying to say, I think, until today, you've been a child. And the kids are all listening raptly now, right? And we adults have hidden the pain in life from you. We didn't want you to see how painful life can be when a grandparent dies and... Oh, Life is going to throw you some pain. And when it does, what are you going to do? Are you going to run off and smoke cigarettes? Are you going to go uh, because you don't want to feel the pain of not smoking? Are you going to uh, take drugs and destroy your life? Are you going to, you know, um, go to the icebox and stuff your face because you want to get your mind off your feelings? No. Face your pain, stay with your pain, sit with it. And together we will find, uh, <laughs> together we will find our way, talk to a trusted teacher, the school counselor, your, your friends, <clears throat> your parents, and together we will find a way through this. And with that, I welcome you to the world of adults. You're now initiated. And the last thing I'd like to tell them, which is I think the best piece in the talk, <clears throat> is that I came across some studies a few years ago. It's actually in the early 90s, and a Yankelovich partner study said, the kids today do not believe in the future. This is before 911. This is before COVID and the COVID variants. This is before the wars that we've seen in, in Russia and Ukraine and so on and so on. This is before and how do you think kids today might feel about the future? A lot of them are worried. And I posit that if, and I believe this is a factor in smoking uh, and drug use and all of it, because if a kid doesn't believe in the future, well, party hardy, party now, and let's go ahead and, 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 and smoke and drink and do whatever we feel like doing because there's no future. Well, I told those kids, and I tell them in the educational video at the end, that the future is looking amazing. And yeah, what if we go through some diseases? We're going to find cures for them. What if the economy does collapse? Well, guess what? It will come back around. It always has. It always will. What if, what if the, uh, uh, you know, we have a, a war? We're going to get through it together. And one day there will be world peace. And it is coming, ladies and gentlemen, that time in life and catch my faith. I've got this crazy rock solid faith. Call me crazy. And I'm not particularly religious, but I have faith that one day that there will be world peace. There will be no more smoking. There will be no more drugs. And we are going to see years and years of peace and prosperity and a much more enlightened world than we have now. It is coming. And it's coming because of you. You are the future. Thank you very much. And that's the end of the talk in the video. But, but I just think that it's important to tell those kids that um, to motivate them to believe in the future. Thank um, you, Benji. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, we, we've got to.
few more minutes when we come back after this break, but I do want to let people know that we have posted that video on the webpage for Patrick Reynolds on the Life Changes Show website. And so much faith that you have dedicated so much in, uh, time and energy and your own money to being executive director of Tobacco Free Earth, a nonprofit group that you founded in 1989. Its mission is to motivate youth around the world to stay tobacco-free and empower smokers to quit successfully. When we come back, we'll talk about why it's important to stay tobacco-free and not just try it for now and then you can quit later because evidently you've got some stories on that. We'll have a few minutes when we come back, but in the meantime, tobaccofree.org is where you can learn more. You can find uh, tobaccofree.org or Tobacco Free Org on uh, the social media links. We'll be right back with our guest, uh, Patrick Reynolds. In our next segment, we also will, uh, it'll follow, be followed by our Ask Dorothy segment. And then after that, our performance guest, Zane Christopher, all on the Life Changes Show online edition right after this. The Little Dog That Could is the fantastically true story of a man and a little dog that came into his life as his mentor to help him understand the world beyond his human senses and to experience life, love, and healing beyond his human understanding. Best-selling author Filippo Voltaggio, who currently hosts the highly regarded Life Changes show, is an internationally known singer, speaker, and life coach. Filippo offers up his own story, how one little surprise package in fur and four legs transformed his life unexpectedly forever and furthered his path of self-discovery. In The Little Dog That Could, Filippo brings to life the meaning of the adage, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Through the reading of this book, you will experience the journey of real miracles that transcend time, space, and logic while gaining practical tools that will help you navigate your way. The Little Dog That Could is available through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. For more information, visit thelittledogthatcould.com. That's thelittledogthatcould.com. You are listening to A Conversation That Matters on The Life Changes Show. Broadcasting live from the heart of Los Angeles every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Share the journey with us at lifechangesshow.com. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Life Changes Show. We are back. This is our 639th show. It's titled Motivating Youth to Stay Vape and Tobacco Free. And our interview guest is grandson of cigarette company founder R.J. Reynolds, executive director of Tobacco Free Earth, and author of The Gilded Leaf, Three Generations of the R.J. Reynolds Family and Fortune, Patrick Reynolds. Uh, Patrick, uh, thank you for all that you're sharing. And I have to, on a personal note, I, uh, I was hearing you talk about your grandfather and father and how your father was never there. And uh, I wasn't taking notes at the time, but uh, I remember you saying while we were talking earlier something about, I'm an old guy but I have a young son and I enjoy having a kid. I want to be there for him and I want the best for him. Uh, you, uh, you, you, you are doing something that wasn't done for you and for him and for other youth. And thank you for that. It's, it's amazing to be a dad. I'm so grateful every day for him. And, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm loving it, just loving it. Thank you. So and you, uh, your focus is on a tobacco-free earth, and you have a a, a focus on young children uh, or young adults, uh, youth, and and encouraging them not to start. Why not to start? Uh, whether. I'm Vaping or cigarettes or, or tobacco of any kind. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I had to open the door. I heard the cat outside. Oh. Repeat the question. So, so, the, so the question is, if, if people say, well, I could quit or, you know, I'll just try it for now or, or, or you, you know, it, it, it's going to be a passing thing. 
Well, if you want to talk about quitting, I could give you a, a minute on that. Um, I, I do have a poem I would love to read, but I don't know if it's sort of out there as far as, but it's just a gift I wanted to give you and your listeners. But And it's not my poem. I didn't write it. It's just a poem I'm, I'm a big fan of. But moving on from that, quitting smoking, the first thing to get is that if you've tried to quit before and failed, take comfort in the fact that most smokers do fail several times toward, uh, it's part of the normal journey toward becoming a non-smoker. Failure is normal. Don't get an idea. You can't quit. You can quit. And second, get into a program. People who succeed in life get into a program. That theme is in my video of, of the, on the message for the children, every live talk in the educational video for schools. It's been seen by a couple million kids at this point. And <clears throat> that, that message is so important. Get help. People who succeed, get help. And people who lose, try and do it alone. And it even applies if you're carrying around a deep, dark secret, I tell them. Go and talk, tell, tell someone, because talking about it, the truth, will set you free. It's mm. so true. And mm. third, um, you know, there's the usual boilerplate points. Get a, get a drink a lot of water. And our website, tobaccofree.org, takes it from there. But I feel like there's one important piece that, um, you know, all the boilerplate points... Um, that we offer on the site, which are in every mainstream classic quit smoking program, um, except for this one, and it's this. Three months down the road of quitting, you are going to get an overpowering desire for a cigarette. It's going to come at you. It's going to come out of the blue. You're going to be in a great moment on a vacation out with friends, and someone's going to say, excuse me, I'm going out. I need to go outside for a minute. Well, where's Joe going? Uh, eh, he's going to go smoke a cigarette. And suddenly you get an incredible desire for a smoke. Or you're in a, you know, so that's good times. Bad times, you're in a fight with your wife. You're in a horrible, miserable, depressed place, and out of the blue, you want to smoke. And you get this, I mean, literally out-of-control desire. And all I ask people to remember is, hold on for five minutes, and the urge will pass. And if you can, okay, now we got four minutes to go, four minutes to go. And do your breathing. Inhale deeply, everybody out there. I want you to sit up in your chair. Inhale deeply with me right now. Inhale. And then slowly let the air out and let your shoulders go limp and let your chin fall over on your chest and let that air go. And then inhale. Slowly let all the air out. Let all your air go through your fingers and toes. And keep doing that three or four times. Notice how you feel and it will help you not want a cigarette. That's the most powerful more, much more than get up, walk around the block, you know, get up from your chair, go get a drink of water, eat carrots or celery. You know, that, that breathing is the most powerful thing. And it's useful in any time you get anxiety or want to relax anyway. So I guess we don't have time for the poem unless you want to do that. But it's called The Invitation. And if you search Google for The Invitation... Ariah Mountain Dreamer. That's O-R-I-A-H. Ariah Mountain Dreamer. It's a woman. Um, but I'll just do the opening two verses and not, not the whole thing. It doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for. And if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing. It doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you will risk looking like a fool for love, for your dreams, for the adventure of being alive. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon. I want to know if you have touched the center of your own sorrow, if you have been opened by life's betrayals, or have become shriveled and closed from fear of further pain. And it goes on for another ten verses or so, but... I've got to tell you, the invitation, the Uriah Mountain Dreamer. <laughs> Patrick Reynolds, 
thank you so much for sharing what you've shared, uh, starting certain conversations, continuing others. Tobaccofree.org. If you're interested in learning how you could quit, how you could help, how you could be a part of this movement or uh, support Tobacco Free Earth. So go to tobaccofree.org. And again, we have the socials up as well as that video and lots more information on the Life Changes show page. Patrick, I look forward to more. I'd love to come back in December when we start sending gifts to needy kids for Christmas. That website is bnelf.org, but maybe we can do that first week of December. No later, please. We'll, I'm sure we'll be in touch. Thank you so <laughs> much for sharing as you have on the Life Changes Show. I'm smiling. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And with that, we have our Ask Dorothy segment. Dear Dorothy, this is Janet from Los Angeles, and I love doing my healing work and counseling. Lately, I am noticing that I am being asked the same questions over and over again from my different clients, and I hear me giving identical advice to each of them. This has been weird. The number one question I am being asked is about love and what my clients can do to manifest more loving relationships instead of constantly creating ones which they become the caregiver. And, I be and because of what I've learned from you, I ask them to make sure that they are loving themselves and taking care of themselves first and foremost. This feels like the right answer, but why am I consistently being asked this one question? My dear Janet, we are moving through an ascension process, and like you and I, your clients are beginning to have to look at their personal stuff. Whenever I find myself receiving the same questions over and over, I have found that the advice I give is advice I often need to apply to myself. Most of us have been taught to look for love outside of ourselves, and very few have been told that we can only manifest true love with others once we have remembered how to truly love ourselves. I believe the reason so many of your clients are asking you this important question is because you, Janet, need to examine whether or not you are loving you. As a healer and a counselor, your focus has been on helping others, and you do this very well. Personally, I have discovered that through choosing to love myself and forgiving myself for my less-than-elegant choices, I'm a much better healer and counselor. Therefore, I urge you to consider if you're truly loving you and whether or not you're putting your needs in first place so that you can continue to assist others and be in your most powerful co-creative space of consciousness. A good way to discover if you are loving you is to write down what that would look like and see how much of these things you are applying to yourself. When you create this list, Please pay attention to anything you write about loving yourself that requires you to forgive others for the pain you feel they have caused you. When I did the exercise, I personally discovered that I needed to love and forgive myself for forgetting that I wrote my life story and handed out scripts to those I desired to live it with. The great Neil Donald Walsh has written an excellent story titled The Little Soul and the Sun, and this assisted me in having a much clearer understanding of how life works and what love really is. You can easily find it online, and I trust that this exercise will assist you in determining how not only to assist your clients, but also to become the best you that you can be by loving you completely. Thank you, Dorothy. And if you have a question for Dorothy, please write her at AskDorothy at LifeChangesShow.com. And with that, we'll be right back on the Life Changes Show online edition with our performance guest, Zane Christopher, right after this. There are self-help seminars costing thousands of dollars guaranteeing miraculous transformations. There are compelling speakers and life-changing weekend experiences where you can walk on fire. Gosh, can they all deliver revelations that guarantee you'll come back for the more expensive revelations filled with even greater wonder next month on Fiji. We get addicted to positive, heartfelt, expensive theater. 
What we really need is a jumpstart, an awakening, someone who can give us a reminder that everything we need lies within. Through inspiration and practical knowledge, Dorothy Donahue helps people get grounded and motivated, inspired and energized. It's not just words and affirmations and the power of intention. It's a mindset brought about by a tangible, transcendental experience, an audiovisual, physical, spiritual experience that helps us realize we transform ourselves. We get tools to become the conscious co-creators of lives of unlimited potential. Find out more. Go to DorothyDonahue.com. The Life Changes Show is a talk, music, and variety show presented by Life Changes Network, which is a company whose team has dedicated their lives not only to positive change, but to helping others observe and embrace, honor, and celebrate their own changes, thus enabling a more positive, inspired life and helping to create a more positive and inspired world. From everyday people, celebrities, business leaders, and children, we are here to inspire our audience to do life better. With heart, integrity, and experience, we bring our message and positive intent into your lives through the Life Changes Show. As your life changes, we're here for you. Share the journey with us at lifechangesshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Life Changes Show. We're back. I'm Filippo, host of the Life Changes Show Online Edition, and our featured performance guest is singer, songwriter, actor, and hockey player, and so much more, Zane Christopher. Zane, welcome to the Life Changes Show. <laughs> Thanks for the introduction, uh, Filippo. It's super nice to be here. Thanks it, for having me, guys. It's wonderful to have you, too, and I think it's so interesting. It's this particular show. There's so many things that you and I spoke about that I that that I think were mentioned during the interview with Patrick Reynolds. Right. Yeah. It's it's kind of a uh, ironic how that stuff kind of works, eh? Um, Back. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not too old. I'm 22 years old, but I definitely have uh, had my fair share of um, partakement, uh, if you will, in the tobacco products and industry and. Um, so, and I'm, I don't do that anymore, um, thankfully, because, uh, you know, it's, I've definitely gotten, actually had some breathing problems that I've been dealing with. So, um, trying to live a healthy lifestyle, and that includes staying away from that kind of stuff. So, it was really pretty serendipitous that uh, Patrick was the, was the guest today. It was really awesome to hear what he had to say about uh, what he's doing. Super dedicated guy. So, that's great to know that that's going on. Well, it's special uh, to have you on, and we are grateful to Brandon Whirlin, who uh, suggested he uh, you be on, and uh, we we met him through Colin Martin. So it's a beautiful thing that we have going here, and so we're grateful that you've come to the show. As a matter of fact, this is the did you say this is the very first radio show you've ever been on? Yeah, this is the first one, guys. <laughs> I, I find that a little I bit mean, nervous, I will say. <laughs> it's it's wonderful, and I'm glad it's us. And I find it actually hard to believe. At it, it, at 11 years old, weren't you in the film Ted? Yeah, I was uh, back in. I, I'm from Boston, so when I was when I was 11, I did do some some acting, and I was um, I was a, I played a bully in in the movie Ted, and I also did the the voice of the young bear like the voice acting and the motion capture. So I was able to be part of that film and that was wild, wild experience. And yeah, it was cool. Um, you danced yeah. for the Boston <laughs> Celtics, right? Yes. I also did that as well. I guess I did. <laughs> I did dance for the, uh, you guys did your research. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so what, what you're here to do, you're not going to dance for us, and and we we hear your voice, so uh, we're going to get to hear your singing. And I have to say, we were some of us were very captivated by your song "Young," and we're going to hear that a little later. But you're going to premiere a song for us here on the Life Changes Show. We're going to get to hear the unplugged that is actually coming out. Is it dropping this Friday? So yeah, it's going to be dropping July 22nd next oh, okay. Friday and oh. it is, it's called Sedona. Um, I'm going to be playing a unplugged version. Yeah. It's my third single and 
Um, I'm super excited for it. I've been um, been working on music for quite some time. I I grew up yeah I grew up in Boston and um, I've always loved music, but it was never something that was kind of feasible in my in my mind to to go after. And um, here I am now and moving you know having having moved to LA and recorded a bunch of my music and that's it's starting to come out and it kind of just all feels really surreal and happening fast so um and it's super exciting but yeah it's definitely like way different uh I thought I was going to be playing hockey playing ice hockey at uh probably at this point but um the universe had a different plan in mind as I like to say (laughs) and here we are so uh you know it is it so if you're going to do Sedona tell us a little bit about what that's what that is yeah for sure so I'm going to play Sedona and I'm going to turn on some uh some reverb right now so it sounded nice for you guys uh this song is wrote it back in 2020 2020 in the winter time and um it is uh, in the winter time in Boston and it's although it's a song about Sedona I've actually never been to Sedona uh, Arizona and the song kind of came in a pretty natural way I'm not really sure where it came from at the time um, but I th- it's kind of been changing meanings and I'll chalk it down to um, just asking the universe for for some guidance um, and in that release um, and times can get really tough and, and hectic in your head and whatnot and sometimes you just whether it's God or the universe you're asking for some like support um so in you know that's kind of where the song comes from so this is sedona check check
Zane, it sounds like Sedona's calling. <laughs> <laughs> Zane Christopher, if you're enjoying uh, Zane as we are, zanechristopher.com is where you can find more about him on the website and also Zane Christopher Music, for example, and on Instagram. But he's on YouTube and TikTok uh, as Zane Christopher Music. That's Zane, like Z like zebra, A-N-E, and then Christopher. Zane, uh, wow. So we we obviously hadn't heard that. Thank you so much uh, for premiering that here. And that drops this coming Friday, and it'll be available where music is found and sold. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I have to ask you, I was going to ask you this when you and I got to speak and then uh, it slipped my mind, but your mission is to inspire others to choose. And then it's fear over courage. And at first I thought, oh, he probably meant that the other way around. And then I thought, (laughs) no, I actually think he means fear over courage. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I'm still figuring that part out. Um, I will say I definitely don't have everything figured out with what, I, what I'm doing with this project. Um, but I do know that um, I can, in, in following my dreams and going for my dreams despite all the fear, and I, I get crazy nervous when I do anything like this or shows, but, but like facing that, um, hopefully that's inspiring other people to do the same thing mm. for whatever that for whatever that is for them um, and helping each other overcome, you know, <laughs> each other's fears and really like evolving. Wow. So, yeah, I think um, that's, I would s- probably sum up the mission as of now. To, wow. To well, that. you go on to say unknown over known and dreams over expectations. I think it's really interesting that, Patrick actually in the interview alluded to something like that when he said in the initiation process that sometimes the elders would induce pain to in- encourage the the initiates to feel the pain and and work through it or something right and that's I thought of you and fear of courage yeah there's definitely a lot of stuff that Patrick was saying that was uh, was resonating with me I'm sure I'm sure everybody listening uh yeah yeah <laughs> you know I'm, I'm not sure what what to say about that i just i think that uh we well, all you said a lot yeah <laughs> said a lot you, you know i said earlier that uh we were captivated by the song young and and we were going to hear it later but then i just remembered you said you were going to change a song so is that the one you're going to change to something else yeah you know what i uh i was thinking about it and i um I think I'm going to play you guys my first song that I've uh, ever recorded. Oh. Um, Cause it's, and it's, it's the first song that was released. It's called road song. And um, I was going to play young that just came out last month and you guys can check that out. That's out, that's out as well, but I'm compelled to play road song, um, which okay. again has changed meaning a lot. But uh, at the time I was writing it, there was just so much op. It was from such an optimistic place and there's a lot of optimism it's a story about love being in love at 19 years old and um the being inspired by by music and and life and the in nature in new england especially um so yeah i guess do you guys like me to play that one at this point i you know what if, if you're tuning into that that's uh, i'm gonna trust your intuition on this we're gonna get to hear Road song. This is a, a, a day of first, a first radio show, a first uh, premiere of this song, Sedona. And now we're going to get to hear Zane Christopher's first song that he recorded, Road Song, all here on the Life Changes show. True love is making a comeback I said that I'll be there for you too Hanging on my own When you whisper in my ear It feels like home Been around the world Said I've been around Found no one quite like you 
You stripped me down and I fell in love You taught me how it feels to breathe again Oh, I know I'll never be alone Oh, do you know That I'd never let you go Let you go Summer skies in New England Coming home from the bar We were hanging in your yard When you first kissed Who would have thought we'd be here now My Millie's girl, I had no doubt Now there's nothing that I worry about Feels like magic how it's all planned out Chasing the headlights like I chased you once And you play like a record, you're my favorite one Chasing the headlights like I chased you once And you play like a record, you're my favorite one I don't know where we're going yet. I don't know where we're going to I don't know where we're going But I wanna be with you I wanna be with you Be with you I wanna 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 be with you Oh hell yeah Chasing the headlights like I chased you Christopher, Thanks. you know that was special. <laughs> so thank you for picking that for us and sharing that with us. You know, I, I, I get the feeling like uh, it's special right now, but we'll look back on this and just see how much more special it, it actually really was. Uh, Zane Christopher, Z like, like, how do you say it? Z like what? You, yeah, do you, Z like zebra, Z you like say zebra? Uh, okay. I just, Z like Zed's dead baby. <laughs> okay. All right. So Z like Z A N E, and then Christopher with the P H E R dot com is the website. Uh, he's on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. You can find him and his music everywhere. Uh, music is available. Saint Christopher, we wish you the best, and uh, we. We want to support. I know that uh, this is a, a great start. Good to know you. Welcome to Los Angeles. And thank you for sharing your heart and your music with us as you did tonight. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been uh, it's been a blast. It's been very special indeed. So with that, after we thank Zane Christopher, we also uh, want to thank uh, Patrick Reynolds uh, for being such a great guest on the show. And that is our show. And I'm here to remind you that 
on behalf of our executive producer, Dorothy Lee Donahue, and our executive producer and co-host, Mark Lejour, I am your host, Filippo Voltaggio, saying, if your life changed like ours changed tonight, then we're here for you. Ciao, everyone. You have been listening to The Life Changes Show on the BBS Radio Network. Listen live every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time and visit us online at lifechangesnetwork.com, on Facebook at The Life Changes Show, and on Twitter at Life Changes Show. Join us again next week as we consciously explore and embrace the only constant, Life Changes. The Life Changes Network is an entertainment network. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and participants and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Life Changes.